What's up, Purpose Driven Entrepreneurs? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer. And my guest today is Belinda Ellsworth. She is the host of Work From Your Happy Place, the founder of Step Into Success, and she's been a sales consultant uh, for over 25 years. Belinda, welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you. Uh, this show might as well be called Entrepreneurs on Their Deathbed. Because the question that I ask everybody is when you think about your, your, your life, what you're living for, your death, uh, for you personally, what jumps out to you as what you hope to be remembered for? The biggest thing I hope to be remembered for is that I made an impact on somebody else's life. I mean, I, I know that I have, but it continues I continue to strive to learn new things, to help people more, you know, even in this journey of 25 years, so much has changed along the way. And so I'm still really trying to help people be the best version of themselves, you know, and whether that is in a job, that's why we started work from your happy place is a lot of people are in miserable jobs. So helping people find what their true passion is and then helping them with strategies in how best to do that job, especially when it's around sales. And sales almost ends up falling into some category in some way, shape, or form in almost everybody's business. So we help people, you know, be successful. I just want to help people be as successful as they personally want to be. And I hope that that's what I'm remembered for. I mean, I hope people will say she was a great mentor. I learned so much. I, I'm here because of this. And, and, and we've already experienced that so much over the years. And it's, um, it's just, it's super meaningful. I mean, I just had a great letter that I read two minutes before I got on here that was so touching that it, uh, it, it kind of got, I had to go touch up my makeup before I got on. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, about how many people would you say you've interviewed for work from your happy place? Gosh, uh, I think today will be like number 327 that's going to go. And we've had some interviews along the way that haven't made it live, but I'd say that it's. <laughs> oh, how do you how do you handle that? Because I've definitely done a couple of interviews that I haven't wanted to post. Yeah, but I I end up posting them. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I don't. What do you do? <laughs> How do you, um, what does, does anybody ever reach out and be like, Hey, how come my episode didn't go live? Do you, interesting enough. I always think about, okay, what am I going to say? If they never ask, Hey, what happened to my episode? I can honestly say that in, you know, the four years that we've been doing this, that there is probably only four that I've never posted. And so I always wait to hear, okay, what will I say? So I, write it down at the time of why I made this decision because I know immediately. I mean, as soon as I get off the, the interview, I'm like, this isn't going live. <laughs> There's no way. And, uh, and then I write down how I felt and why, and interesting enough, not one single person has ever reached out to me and said, what happened to my show? So uh -huh. my, man, my gut instincts are, are spot on with that one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Is it that people come off? That's one of the things that makes me not want to post an episode is if the person on the other end comes off salesy. 
Like they're just trying to sell their service through my podcast. I wouldn't say that has been the case. Um, you know, I had one person that just mm, kind of went down some rabbit holes of life issues that were then says, you know, I'm, I'm actually in hiding right now, but yet she tells where she is. And I'm thinking, Ooh. why are you telling people that you're hiding from an abusive? Ex? Oh my goodness. And then you're telling everybody where you're living right now. And she changed your name, but she tells what her real name used to be. I'm like, there's not everything up there. And I don't even want to be a part of that. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm just out. And then one lady just totally went off recently the interview was going along and it was it, the interview was mediocre, but I would have probably posted it anyway <laughs> till the very end, man. And she just went down a political rabbit hole that <laughs> um, <laughs> that was. And I just wrote down if she ever asked, I don't I don't talk about politics one way or the other on my show. You chose to go down a path that probably wasn't very smart for you to do if you don't want to offend a bunch of people. So uh, I can't publish this. So that Got it. those are a couple. There that's was not. A, go ahead. I was going to say that's not the question I I meant to ask you off of the question. How many people have you interviewed? <laughs> but talk about rabbit trails. <laughs> yeah, no um, kidding. But you know yeah. what, people, the, the learning point in that is, I'll, I'll make this a learning point because I what I always strive to do in anything is. Um, number one is be very concise about what your message is. What, what do you want to come across as? And if you're going to be on a show, I send pre-interview questions on purpose and they don't have to be like long lengthy, but you should kind of have an idea. And I usually edit this part out and everything, but you wouldn't believe how many people I ask when the question, they go, oh, that's really hard. <laughs> and you're going, okay, like, did you not, you wrote the answers in. So clearly somebody else wrote them in and then they're yeah. just like stumped. And, um, but we edit those and I say, okay, let's, I, I break it and I go, here's what you wrote. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, um, and so I make them sound good, but they end up making it anyway, but be, be concise and be ready and be enthusiastic. Um, be upbeat and then the other is don't ever offend anybody. Like if you can live by that rule is I don't really want to in business. If you're trying to be in business and get business, then don't offend anyone. Don't say something that's offensive. You know, my personal views and opinions are mine, but it's not a place for my business. And so for me, anyway. I think it depends on it depends on what you're trying to build thought leadership around. Because mm -hmm. I think thought leadership in general or, or thought leadership um uh, necessarily is a little bit abrasive. Like if you're going to be known for having distinct against the grain, actionable, helpful thoughts on a subject, chances mm -hmm. are you're saying things that go against popular opinion in some areas of that, of that area. So for example, as a kid's book author, one of the things that I believe is that uh, the things that parents like and, and wish their kids like are not the same things as what kids actually like. And if you want to make a kid's book that's gonna be successful, you need to appeal to what kids actually like and not just mm -hmm. wish that they didn't like those things and not just right. wish that they like the things that you like. And I do think that that is 
That's a learning point, though. You can be a thought leader and have an opinion and have thoughts about why something is the way that it is, uh, but it doesn't have to be offensive. Yeah, learning um, to communicate it is such a challenge. It's yes. such a skill worth developing. Yes. I mean, people are, you know, try to get their point across with extremely, you know, um, foul language and guaranteed you're going to offend somebody in there and you could get that point across equally as well. You could be just as powerful without it, without offending anyone. Hmm. Um, so that's just one tiny example, but obviously politics is a huge one. Yeah. That, to me, there's such a yin and yang to it because on, on the more sales side, like if I want to make sales and get business, um, not offend, not being offensive is key. <laughs> yeah. uh, on the marketing side, though, sometimes being a little bit abrasive or standing out is also key. <laughs> well, that's being a disruptor, and it's okay yeah. to be a disruptor. You can be still a disruptor without being super offensive. If you yeah. sit down and really think about it, it's there's a difference between the two. So. I, I like, I appreciate your, your, your viewpoint on it. The question I was originally going to ask you was, so you've interviewed so many people on this podcast. That's about finding your happy place. Mm -hmm. What's a trend that you've noticed in all of these people that is like a root reason why they're not in a happy place or like, or, or, or what's the, what's the, what are some trends or a trend for obstacles in the way? Absolutely. I think the biggest trap of all is people that have a lot invested in a particular path, you know, or success. And it's saying, okay, this isn't serving me well anymore. It's well, but I went to school for this. I got my degree in this. I I've already done this for this many years. I might as well stick it out for this many more years, or I'm going to disappoint this person, or, you know, this is going to happen. And so that when people finally come to a realization of I'm not happy and that people think they can separate their work life from their personal life. But in reality, that's a very, very difficult thing to do. I mean, yeah. you will carry them over to each other. Yeah. You know, if you're in a really bad job that you don't like, you're going to bring those feelings home to your family and probably not be as present or be as happy. And, and if, and if you're really unhappy at home, that's going to carry itself into work uh, and not be your best version. So it's really finding that thing. And you spend so much time at work. I mean, so much yes, time at work. 90,000 hours of your life, the average person spends at work. Yeah, you ought to really love what you do. And so then the second myth is that, well, I'm too old. Like if I start now, then I'll be this age at this time. Well, you're going to be that age regardless. So why not, you know, try something new? And the other one is, well, this has worked for so long and this is what we've done. We've always done it this way. This is where also people get trapped in a job that they're in or a business that they're in that they still might really like that business, but they can't allow themselves to think out of the box or get out of the box they've been like to reinvent themselves. 
even within that space. And I would honestly say that that is where I was probably a year ago, interesting enough. And I was going along and I, and I liked, I loved my job. However, there's parts of it that had become more challenging. And I don't think we had changed with the times as much as we needed to. And then suddenly- Is this an old job or current job that that you have? Still one area that I still serve, uh, one audience that I still continue to serve. And, and also I was just kind of not really serving. I was doing, so I was spending all this energy over here. I was on the road every single week of my life and then COVID happens and now I'm not on the road at all. And that is a huge chunk of our income. So then it was like, okay, I need to figure out another way to do this. And I was forced to do that. Yeah. And in doing that, one of the things I decided is I'm going to put way more energy into my podcast. And it's been really exciting to watch it grow. Our numbers have, you know, doubled in how many downloads we have per episode and per month. And it's actually been quite exciting. So it's interesting. It goes back to where you put your focus is what you'll get. But I think that people get so trapped, they can't see the forest for the trees. And so they're, they're just in this doing, you know, they're so busy doing that they have no time to be creative. And I do think that's what COVID did for a lot, a lot of people. It gave them permission because they were forced (laughs) to reinvent themselves or think out of the box or try to do what they love in a different way. And some people actually went back and fell in love with things that they hadn't done in a really long time. Yeah. And we all have a limited amount of focus. Like you're able to focus hardcore on your podcast right now and it's able to grow. I don't have that amount of focus for a podcast because I'm focused on making kids books, but my focus is so heavily on making kids books that I believe I'm making the the, the best books of my life right now, uh, which is amazing. It's super fulfilling. Uh, that is amazing. But, but but that took me quitting my my other job. And of course, mm-hmm. that was a big leap. It's like, okay, I'm going to quit my job because I think I'm, I think my business is steady enough now where I can, you know, keep buying groceries off of kids books. (laughs) Right. And you know what? That's probably the other big thing that a lot of entrepreneurs share is knowing that right time to take your side hustle or your passion and then say, okay, um, how can I save up or how can I prepare? And then just pulling the bandaid off and saying, okay, I've got to believe in this strong enough to give it a go. And you know, that's when is the right time for the average person. Well, a a good thing is to know that you've at least got about six months of all of your bills and expenses. Like if you can do that, if you can set that aside, that's a, you know, that's always been sort of the good rule. And if you can do that, or at least have, you know, if it isn't six months of all of your expenses, have close to a year of your main expense, your mortgage, or whatever that highest ticket item is going to be. And, and then you know, and you, and you don't have this huge pressure of what am I going to do? So I would say that that is number one. And, and most of the people on my show say that I started, I worked, you know, double hours. I was working full-time. I was doing my other thing full-time and I was putting money aside so that I knew 
I didn't want to add that pressure um, to myself. So that is one. The second thing is, gosh, do some research, like put your product out there before you completely, you know, rip it off. So that's by doing it and seeing, is this a really good idea? Do people like this product? Is it, it, is there value in this? And can I take this a step further instead of pulling the bandaid off and doing something that people are like, this is the craziest idea ever. And then having to go back to the drawing board. So I think those are two of the things I hear from a lot of my guests. And there are two things I would say I've experienced personally. I walked away from a pretty high paying uh, sales training job and just said, well, I'm going out on my own. And, and I had about eight months worth of my bills saved up in an account. I left and, with two, two okay. months. Okay. Two months is better than <laughs> zero months. <laughs> I you know actually, what? You know what? Is that pressure. accurate, babe? Did I leave Sweetfish with two months of uh, expenses or just one month? I think I left with one. <laughs> I think I left with one month. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm probably the exception, not the rule. Because like I can just scrap if I need to. I can mm -hmm. just live on eggs and I have no kids. So maybe I'm the exception there. <laughs> there um, you go. Belinda, I have a for fun question that I like to ask everybody on this podcast. Um, so I'm a kid's book author and I believe okay. that part of leaving a legacy uh, is reaching the hearts of kids. Uh, so what's a topic or idea that you would make a kid's book about if you could? Oh. I, you know, it, it has to be kids. What I would say, I'm trying to like, I could give a 10,000 different ideas. I mean, seriously, I'm just like going through my brain, but like. Well, imagine more, uh, if you were yeah. a kid's book author okay. and you're presenting this book, what would you be like? You, you, what would you want that book to be about? I would want kids to set some kind of goals or you know, think about what they want to achieve and, and teach them or teach vision boarding with them or teach something about going for your dream, you know, like not giving up on it or not letting anybody um, kind of steal that because, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I don't think that we are we're starting to not even I'm starting to see it in a, even a generation, you know, much younger than mine. When I used to speak and I would have everybody raise their hand, how many of you have a goal or, you know, specific vision written down in a place where you can readily see it? And it used to be about 25 to 30% of my audience would raise their hand. Yeah. And over the years, as I've continued to do that speech, it's about 8% of an audience. Interesting. So as this younger generation is starting to come up where there's so much fear of failure, what everybody else thinks, a lot of people think it's living in this bubble of social media Kids are so concerned about um, doing the status quo or doing what somebody else is doing. And yeah. I would want to do something on being uniquely you. And what is that? Or that yeah. would be one. And then it would be teaching kids about setting goals and the importance of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I that think not, would be oh, my two big ones. Sorry. No, I, so when you were talking about a lot of people say it's social media, I think another thing that a lot of people get wrong well, this is just my subjective opinion that they get wrong about goal setting is they tie it to something like, I want to be a YouTuber or I want to be popular on TikTok or, or something like that. And like, those are great things. But um, 
there it's not tied to to like what about that would bring you joy like it's not mm. tied to that like 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 i want to dig underneath that and go all right if you envision yourself popular on tiktok what is it that you're doing and why does that thing bring you joy or is this just about you saw you saw you see somebody else's life and you wish you had it right for sure i mean i have these conversations with my uh 17 year old all the time you know and just helping her to navigate that but she's so because she's probably lived with me her whole life she's so so goal driven and has had her dream and has not deviated from that at all and then does things you know to support that so what's her dream um to be a musical theater broadway actress so um and she's been acting since she was like five and and is going to you know a really awesome school right now and and she'll continue in that and but she has her path set you know and then i'm and then i'll do this and she continues to master her craft and that's the that's probably would be another book i would teach kids is you know nobody wants to work hard enough to get really good at something yeah. And they just want to be instantly good at it. And, yeah. um, and kids need to learn about practice. You know, there used to be a whole thing, like we would make kids practice and now nobody wants to practice anything or, you know, her, her friends would harass her. Um, oh, we want you to come do this. And she was just always so just straight on about it. Well, I've got rehearsal. I'm in a show right now. And they would go, oh, can't you just skip it? And she's like, oh my gosh, no. Do you know how many people are counting on me? And mm. plus, I don't want to skip it. Like, yeah, why would I do that? And she's just always been very straight ahead. But most kids don't want to work hard enough to get really good at something. Mm. And that's sort of master your craft. And that's why that leads into adulthood. Right now, that is the number one challenge that younger entrepreneurs have is they just want it to happen right here. And it's like, you got to master your craft, get as good as you can learn as much as you can. Kids have such an opportunity today. I do think that's where they have an edge on many of us is they're very curious. Their curiosity is at a much higher level and they're willing to go learn whatever they need to learn. I mean, they have the world at their fingertips you know, on, on a phone. I mean, like seriously to learn about anything or to watch a YouTube on, you know, anything, watch a video on how to, and they're just more knowledgeable in that way, I think. And I agree, but they just, but a lot of them just do a lot of that. And so it's good to still master a craft. I love it. Belinda, this has been a super interesting conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time with me. What do you want listeners to do? I would love listeners to follow us at work from your happy place. That would be my number one thing. And follow me on LinkedIn. We post a lot of really awesome articles there. Uh, I One that we write every week on Wednesdays, and then we post a lot of other people's really great stuff. But on our podcast, they'll get to hear really inspirational interviews of people that really and truly are loving what they do. And that inspiration could lead to them, you know, learning a skill set, maybe to make their situation a little bit better, take that leap, 
to um, be inspired enough to go out and really find what they want. A really cool story. Um, I had a lady that was in a job that she absolutely hated and she drove to this work every day. And she said, I literally, I would listen to your podcast every day. And there were times where I would hear people talking about loving what they do. And she said, I would literally pull over the side of the road and cry Mm. because I was unhappy. And I was like, I've got to make a plan. Like I have to make a plan. And she said, I, I built up enough courage to do that and listening to your podcast for like almost a year. So I was like, wow. And then she said, and then one day I was just like, I need to do it. And she bought a franchise and uh, within eight months, her franchise was making money and she was loving going to work every day. And so she sent me this long letter and I just thought, wow. But I picked up the phone. I, I messaged her and said, it was like at 1030 at night. I'm like, is it too late to talk to you? And she was like, no. And so I did. And I was so impressed with her whole journey that then I asked her to be on my show. And she said it was just the greatest thrill for her ever. So it comes full circle. You know, it's just pretty fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, Belinda, thank you so much for being on my podcast. All right. Thanks for having me. 